It was never a phase, Mom. <laughs> Yes, it was. Right. Hey, no, welcome it, to a, a Geekish <laughs> podcast. Uh, I'm Beto, and that's Derek over there. And uh, last week, we had a little bit of an inspirational podcast. We talked about Stephen Spahn. We talked with Stephen Spahn. This week, I feel like it's going to be a slightly different kind of inspirational podcast because we are going <laughs> to talk about music, a very specific time frame of music. Both of us came from the you know radio days. And uh, music is a big part of everything that goes on in here and in here for mm-hmm. me. I'm pretty sure you're the same way. Mm-hmm. And you actually threw this question out on Facebook last week, uh, proclaiming that the early 2000s was the best time for music ever for you. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you know, here's the thing is like, you know, being radio guys, being music. I mean, we love music as it is. Um, music has always been part of our life, right? Um, I grew up listening to old country with my dad and then classic rock with my mom. Like, it depends who I was with in the car or, you know, depending if my dad decided to let my mom have control of the radio because she hated country. But so I grew up with like a very eclectic, like, you know, that 50s bop and rock and then, you know, the country from the 60s and, you know, the, so I have, I have a very eclectic music taste. And you and I both... Talked about how messed up our musical libraries are. So I, I just want to pause that real quick there, because I really want to psychoanalyze how Merle Haggard and Chuck Berry led you to emo. <laughs> well, I, I don't know, I, because like I listened to that, and then you know Boston was one of the huge ones that it, you know when I was a kid, and then back in the day when it was uh, KS one hundred four. The, know, the cash hip-hop. cow. <laughs> yeah, the, the hip-hop back in the day. For some reason, I was all about that. And I'm just this nerdy, skinny, white kid with glasses who has asthma. And I'm just like, yeah, you know, like, I got five on it, doing all that type of jazz. And then from somehow, I got into rock. And I don't know if it was The Offspring or Nirvana. I don't know what it was. But, I mean, Nirvana was my first CD. We've talked about that before. I'm a huge Offspring fan. So 90s punk, rock, grunge, that holds a special part to me. Like when I put on the Bush CD, what is it, 16 Stone? Oh, mm-hmm. that's my jam, dude. Just mm, breathe in, breathe out, you know, that whole thing. And then it just, I kept following the music. And I still love music today. Um, but my wife and I were jamming just, you know, early 2000s to mid 2000s punk hits and emo hits and you know just jamming out and remembering some of the stuff and i was like you know what i i have a feeling because i still listen to this today i still have it on my ipod it's still in heavy rotation all that type of music i'm like you know not to be that my music was better than your music to the kids but i feel like that genre that that decade from like 2000 maybe even some in the 99 to 2010 pop punk alt rock was just it was on another level. It, it had its own heyday. And I will agree with you most of those those points. I, I don't want to go out there and say it was the best time music. Cause I, I think we specifically talk about 2000 to 2006 is the, the main focus what we're shooting on here. Yeah, they, there, was, there was some times in 2007 and 2008. Uh, for me... I, I'll just throw in 2010 in there, but I know where you're coming from. Like, cause I, again, I don't want to say like, oh, it's the best music ever, mm-hmm. but I just feel like for that particular genre, that was 
the prime. Yes, there's great punk in the 90s and there's great punk in the 80s, but I think that emo, that screamo, like all of it from 2000 to 2010, it just kind of evolved and just became perfection. You had Newfound Glory, you had Fall Out Boy, you had Panic at the Disco, you had Blink-182 right in their prime. I mean, yeah, Enema of the State came out in... 90, what, 98, 99, something yeah, like that. Yeah, 98 or 99, but... You know, take off your pants and jacket, and then you had the spinoff with Boxcar Racer, and then Plus Forty Four. You know, they're all trying their own things. You know, Boxcar Racer, the you know emo Tom DeLonge with his hair in the rain, and then you had Simple Plan, making you feel like I'm just a kid. You know, just anthems, man. <laughs> you know, I think the one of the most impressive parts of this time of music and these different genres of music, a lot of these ones you're bringing up weren't necessarily chart toppers number one hit makers everything like that this kind of movement was this this style of music created it's well, i don't say created but had a big influence on its own subculture that today has kind of erupted into i would go on a on a limb and say a lot of those bands that were big in the early 2000s are probably more successful now than they were back at the time <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Well, I mean, so what? You got Eve Six tearing up Twitter, becoming relevant with just off the cuff, you know, one one shots and everything like that, making fun of other bands and everything like that. Trapped, they kind of went weird um, nowadays. So I, I won't get into that. You can Google that for yourself. Get into <laughs> what they've been doing. But uh, um, yeah, and I, I mean, Fallout Boy still found a success. They've they found their niche. You know, Panic at the Disco. They switched band members, that whole thing. I still, they're good now, but I don't think Panic! at the Disco is as good as they were when they first started out. It's tough to to be continually groundbreaking. Right. (laughs) I mean, but they're, they're they're also catering to a different audience as well. But they still kind of cater to the people who, you know, were just like all about them. And you're 100% right. They, they probably are more successful now because we can go back we can just jam out we can stream them we can download them i mean i, I, I don't know man like finch i'm just like yeah afi yeah and so, matt kutchell matt kutchell okay he's a instagram youtube dude mm-hmm. and he's been doing the emo's not dead so you know he's been kind of bringing some of those songs back up he's done collaborations with yellow card recently dashboard confessional hawthorne heights so he's kind of he's he's bringing a, a resurgence to that as well because a lot of people follow him and they're just like yeah so if you have a chance those are some funny videos to to go with but <laughs> and th- those are the hades i mean the, the early 2000s that was right after i was in out of high school i went through college those years worked at the college radio station worked at the uh, alternative radio station here in town and that was I don't know about you, but for that decade, I was also going to concerts mm. probably four to five times a month or more. Like whether it was a local show, whether it was something down in Denver, or it was a big festival, like going to concerts were part of life, not like yeah. a special occasion here and there. It was just like, what show are we see in this weekend? What band do we see in tonight? And that was just, that's what we did. <laughs> well, especially when we, you know, right when I started with the station, they flipped from alternative to, you know, hot AC or whatever you want to call it. And I was just like, no, you know, I wanted, I wanted to play, you know, the yellow card and everything like that. But we still had the advantage of being able to go to a lot of concerts, um, you know, and it was awesome. And I know 
when you worked the morning show, when I worked the morning show, we still made that sacrifice to go to shows, even though it sucked the next day. Mm-hmm. But You're like, I'm at a show till midnight. I got to be at work at four in the morning. That's what Red Bull's for. Yeah, I got to drive an hour and a half back. <laughs> All right, I got I got some trivia for you for uh, early 2000s. Let's go through year by year. Uh, year 2000. Creed, Metallica, ACDC, Three Doors Down, Red Hot Chili Peppers all had number one rock songs that year. Which one had the most? Creed, right? No. Three oh. Doors Down, 21 oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. weeks at number one with Loser. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> 2000. That was, a, that, was a, that was a jam. Yeah. 2001 had Godsmack, Aerosmith, Aaron Lewis, Tantric, Three Doors Down, Stained, Nickelback, and Creed. The biggest one is 2001. Nickelback was the biggest one, right? Second. Stained spent uh, 20 weeks at number one with It's Been a While. Uh, and then Aaron Lewis and Fred, Dewis, Fred Durst were two weeks with Outside. Then Nickelback was 13 weeks with How You Remind Me. Dude, oh my God. Concerts were so good back then because you had the Family Values Tour too. So mm-hmm. that's why you had Corn, Limpus, Get Stained doing the collaboration with. Well, the, that was, I mean, the, that was summer here. You had Family Values Tour, you had Ozfest, you had Warp, Warp Tour. Tour. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> okay, mm. 2002 started getting a few more bands Puddle of Mud, Nickelback, Godsmack, Chad Kroger, uh, Chili Peppers, System of a Down, Nickelback, Nirvana, Three Doors Down for 2002. You Chad, I'm going to say Chad Kroger because that was a Spider-Man soundtrack, right? Yeah, that was only two weeks. Biggest oh. ones again, Three Doors Down with When I'm Gone and Puddle of Mud with Blurry. Oh yeah, Puddle of Mud, dude. That that's a that's a band that kind of <laughs> he got arrested at DIA. Did you know that? Yeah, he, he was he was yeah. a crazy guy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 2003, uh, I think this is the year that uh, modern rock started taking over. Godsmack, Linkin Park, Audio Slave, Chevelle, Trapped, Stained, mm. Perfect Circle, Puddle of Mud. Oh, I mean, that's there's so many ones. I mean, Linkin Park was... They, 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 they turned the music world upside down with their, you know, metal rap, rap metal. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Limp Bizkit was like, we've been doing that. <laughs> <laughs> But see, that goes right around saying uh, Lincoln Park only one week at number one with somewhere I belong. Audio Slave and Stained 12 and 14 weeks. What for song for Audio Slave? Uh, that was Like a Stone. Uh, yeah, that explains that. That's a, that's a great song. Now we're moving to 2004. You got Lincoln Park, Nickelback, Jet, Velvet Revolver, Three Days Grace, and Chevelle. Do you want to be my girl? God, man. <laughs> See, the, this is just... But you I know mean, what's funny? Granted, what? That song never even made it to number one. Well, I know. I'm just saying that I <laughs> forgot about that song. Because, I mean, we played that on this station for a little bit. Mm, a, a little bit? <laughs> we played yeah, it 57 know. times a week. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Uh, that year, Nickelback figured you out at 13 weeks and Velvet Revolver fell to pieces at 11. 2005... Green Day, Audio Slave, Mudvayne, Seether, Foo Fighters, Stains, Nickelback, and Shinedown. It's 2005 when Green Day did American Idiot. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Green Day then. You got that one down. Boulevard of Broken Dreams, 14 yep. weeks. Shinedown saved me at 12. And then 2006, our, our final year for our little talk here. Nickelback, Godsmack, Chili Peppers, Three Days Grace, Stone Sour, Disturbed, and Tool. Ooh, 
I want to say Three Days Grace, but I know it's not. Um, I'm, I'm going to give it to you because it is. Three Days is Grace, it? 13 weeks for pain and seven weeks for Animal I Become. Pain! Oh, God. <laughs> God. See, and I, that album, all these albums you're saying, except for, uh, you know, Puddle Mud I wasn't a big fan of. And it was like, eh. Velvet Revolver. Velvet Revolver. Eh. Nickelback. There was like two songs Velvet Revolver had that were fun. But yeah. not near worth the hype of the oh, Scott Weiland's in a new band. <laughs> Nickelback. I did. I was part of the Nickelback train in the beginning. I did have them, but I think when Photograph came out, that just killed it for me. Like, there's other good songs on that album, but I was just like, eh. You know, it's interesting it, because we we started the discussion with the the emo stuff and the emo and punk rock things. I mean, the, the AFIs, the Alkaline Trios, all these things going in there. Again, the not quite as successful ones, the ones that I liked that much more. But mm-hmm. you're looking at the music industry, and these were the modern rock charts we just went through. You notice right. that that modern rock family tree didn't get very big. There right. was the same bands over and over and over again, and I think that's kind of what helped these other bands flourish because in the the mainstream selection of music it was just here's the same bands over and over and over and over again so they offered something different it's it's the same bands too that all have a similar sound Mm -hmm. you know jet was a little bit different and you saw how well that worked for him you know Mm -hmm. then you had franz ferdinand they tried to do that and you know that didn't work for him and then muse came in and did something different and all these bands Kind of, you know, the ones that you we were talking about with the core ones, they kind of sounded the same. Linka Park, by far, was the most unique one. And then same with um, Three Days Grace, because he had that voice that just kind of set them apart a little bit. But, you know, Nickelback, Puddle of Mud, and all those, they kind of, they kind of share but you, the... But you, you definitely tell the musical formula, because even those ones you mentioned, their earlier successful songs still yeah. sound very much like Muse. The first couple of Muse songs sounds just like regular modern rock, and then Muse started taking off a different direction. Mm-hmm. The first Three Days Grace album was a very insert whatever band you want here sound, and then they started taking their own thing and going off with it. So they, they had to like stick to that formula to get in the door, and then they tried to let their creative juices flow, whereas Panic at the Discos, they went, eh, mm. here's what we got. <laughs> Dude, that first album, so... I know we've talked, I think we've talked about our best concerts, like Panic at the Disco. I saw them at the Fillmore and it was their first tour. And it was, I want to say like July or it was hot. It, it was extremely hot and we're all crammed in there and they come out on stage, man. And they're doing, you know, like the fun Vegas routines and they got performers up there while they're singing. I was like, yeah. And that album, for some reason, like I will still, that album is like 33 minutes long or whatever. I'll still sing it from front to back. Just non-stop and then won't have a voice afterwards but i was a solid up remember my when the first uh when lying is the most fun a girl can have without taking her clothes off came that was about the time when i was waking up to go to work and uh the only time a day when mtv would actually show music videos they had their morning show they'd show some but it was like the same six videos they showed over and over again so i'm pretty sure i got to see the video for that one and daniel powder's bad day like three times a week for a month getting up to go to school (laughs) god dude what was the what was the other video? Not VH1. There was another one that was like on cable that had fresh crops and everything like that. Because oh, like, that one. oh god, you know, red jumpsuit apparatus on there. Twelve stones. Oh man, trapped was on there. It was just it's just one of those. You just go back and you listen to them and you're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So here here's a list from Punky.com, an Australian website of. Uh, 
some emo songs that are going to take you back. My Chemical Romance, I'm Not Okay, I Promise. Mm-hmm. It's become an anthem for a generation somehow. Uh, this ain't a scene that's an arms race from Fall Out Boy. Yep. Far from their first hit, but probably one of their most commercially successful ones. I still, dude, Grand Theft Auto is still one of my favorite songs by them, though, from their mm-hmm. first album. Or not their first album, but you know what I mean. 30 Seconds to Mars, The Kill. Mm-hmm. AFI, Miss Murder. Mm-hmm. See, I like that song, but there's other better AFI songs. There are. And I, I really like AFI. I was actually like, the world like fell in love with AFI for that album. And I was kind of disappointed because I grew up with AFI being this East Bay hardcore punk band with mm-hmm. suspenders and flat tops. And when this came out, I was like, what happened? They all went to art school. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> and it was still really know. good, but it was really tough to like adjust. <laughs> what is that? That's December Underground that that's on. That that album was pretty solid. And I, I'm with you because what was it? Uh, Sing the Sorrow was the album before that one. Uh-huh. And I absolutely love that one. So when December Underground came out, I was like, okay, this is a little bit different. I'm loving it. And then all of a sudden, like like you said, they just blew up. Everyone's like, have you heard of this band AFI? I'm like, yeah. They're like, do you know what it stands for? I'm like, yeah, a fire inside. They're like, well, how'd you know that? I'm like, because they've been around for a while, guys. Um, let's see. Face Down from Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. Mm-hmm. One of the few one-hit wonders that was that was that song's really good. They that that album was pretty good. I remember. God, see, this is another thing. Like they were super nice had, dudes too. Got to interview yeah. them at Warp Tour when they came through with that. Well, the thing with that too is you know you look back at I think another reason why some of these bands like Red Jumpsuit Apparatus and all these kind of game thing is what was popular in the mid two thousands right there. Mm-hmm. MySpace. MySpace was a huge place for music. I remember finding so much music on there and just being like, yes. Yeah, the, the claim to fame was Colby Calais got big because of MySpace, but there were so many other way better bands that got discovered because of MySpace. <laughs> not, you know, not saying that Colby Calais is not great because we met her and she's super nice as well. But you yeah, know. yeah, I'm not not dissing her, but as far as that, that was like the 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 magazine and tabloid things. Oh, MySpace made this super pop star big. Like, uh, well, she got signed to a major label. That's why she got big. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Taking back Sunday, make damn sure, hmm. which. Taking Back Sunday is one of those bands, they kind of started getting big, and I was upset because their last album, the one with uh, Great Romance of the 20th Century and uh, Your Soul Last Summer, was one of those albums I listened to nonstop, and it never got any commercial love. Well, I think what helped, what helped them was, you know, the whole thing between Taking Back Sunday and Brand New. Because, yeah. like, you listen to Brand New's first album, it's like this, you know, you know, poppy little punk thing. And then you listen to the one that has Deja Entendu on and everything like that. And you're just like, what's going on? And if you read like (laughs) what's going on between those two bands with the one dude cheating on, you know, taking that guy's girlfriend or whatever, fiance or whatever it was. And then they do those like diss albums towards each other. You're like, okay, that makes good music. (laughs) Emotions, emo, you know how it goes. Uh, Used, I caught fire. Mm, God. See, Used was decent. I liked a couple of Used songs, but I feel like they were a little overrated. I think their ties with uh, Bert, what's his name, dating Kelly Osbourne, got him a oh, lot yeah. more fame than the music necessarily deserved. But. Well, I think that also, again, you know, they were friends with My Chemical Romance, and then when Gerard started getting sober, <laughs> and Bert was like, <laughs> dude, heroin. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> all right, now, guys. Simple Plan, Welcome to My Life. Another one. That's a good song, but their previous album, I feel, was way better. They're Canadian, right? Uh, I believe so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we got some good music out of Canada. <laughs> and I guess this is from an Australian set, so maybe it's a little bit different. Mi- uh, Paramore and Misery Business. God, Paramore. 
Hawthorne Heights, Ohio's for Lovers, mm. Evanescence, Bring Me to Life, Senses the, uh, Fail, Calling All Cars. Calling All Cars. Oh, my God. That's a, such a good song. Story of the Year. <clears throat> yep. Uh, what else I got in here? Good Charlotte, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Jimmy Eat World, The Middle. Just take some time. That album from Jimmy World is it's, it's so good. One of my on my list of one of the, the best albums of, of all time. I Act think. Recording. <laughs> uh, Yellow Card, Ocean Avenue, Blink One Eighty Two, I Miss You, Lincoln Park, and Numb, All American Rejects, Dirty Little Secret. Well, and the thing too is again, it's it's really good. And the thing too is you you look back at the movies too with um, American Pie, Van Wilder. Um, crap, there was another one like the Not Another Team movie. They all had those songs on there, right? Mm-hmm. You're just like yes, because I mean, Sugar Cult was heavily on that Van Wilder soundtrack. Oh, Sugar and, Cult. Yeah. Yeah. See, see, it's just I don't know. Like, again, I love music now. I love music from the 70s, the 60s, the 80s, but just that mid-2000s is like, it's not a phase. One of the bands that I think was huge at that time for me, uh, Zebrahead. Mm. Loved Zebrahead. I had had one of their albums. I'll go through some of my other lists on here. Uh, We already talked about Yellow Cards. Weezer put out the green album at that time. Which was a See, pretty I wasn't a Weezer fan back then. Like they had some good stuff to me, but it just didn't didn't appeal to me. You know the I liked the, you know the sweater song, the the generic ones that were on the radio. But mm-hmm. had the the Vandals, the punk band, uh, Trust Company. Oh god, Trust Company was so good. See, I, I loved I loved a couple Trust Company songs, but I got really bored by their entire albums. But a you couple of the songs were like, Ugh! dude, you know what album was like. It just it spoke to me, and I still will jam it. Is Finch, what it is to burn? What that whole burn. album is just fantastic. The one afterwards, eh, but yeah, that album is mm. great. <laughs> so you had Three Days Grace. We talked about them. We had uh, Tegan and Sarah's "So Jealous" album came out. Yep, that was a very solid, solid album. Lost uh, Profits were huge, but then I stopped listening to them after the lead singer got arrested for some very gross stuff, and he's yeah, in jail, so... I, I hate that, because they had a, a couple songs that were just... Like, the drums were so good! I know, he, dude, the, that first album... Creep. That first album with The Last Train Home, oh, so... It's such a good album, but I can't... Mm-hmm. Mm. And we talk about Take Him Out Sunday, System of a Down, I mean, they had Toxicity, Steal This Album, Mesmerize all come out between 2001 2005. Some 41 had four albums come out. Uh, the Strokes had a couple albums come out. Uh, I'm just going through my list of playlists here. That's Simple Plan, <laughs> uh, Seether, Scissor Sisters. What about Avril Lavigne? Avril I'm Lavigne. She's not, like she started a whole like punk girl movement, kind yeah, of. She kind of did. I honestly, that was one of the ones that I I, I saw the power of a a hit song. I was working at the college radio station here in Fort Collins, doing my overnight shift playing stuff, and her first song, Complicated, came out. And this was before it blew up and got actually big. And on a college radio station, every time I played that song, I got five or six different phone calls asking who it was or what that song was or who sang that song. Like, it was a couple times a day people called over songs like that, but every time that song played, the phones just started lighting up and then... A month later, like, oh, it's a number one hit across the country. Cool. Look at that. Was Complicated first or Skater Boy? Complicated. 
Skater Boy was the trash second single off that album. <laughs> I don't, dude, I, for, I would say Skater Boy might be bigger than Complicated, but well, bigger, yeah, but it's it's a fun song. But let's be honest, that is one of the worst songs written in history. <laughs> it's energetic, it's catchy, it's fun, but yeah. <laughs> He's uh, just a boy. I'm just a girl. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> See, Rob Zombie had some stuff. The Ridland Kids, Hurry Up and Wait oh came out. Oh my god, is, I love that album. I apparently went to college with one of uh, their brothers. <laughs> oh. uh, Real Big Fish had a couple albums. Chili Peppers, Rancid, Ramones. Uh, Postal Service, Plain White Tees. Alright, Postal Service and Death Cab for Cutie. Granted, same same dude but to me they're interchangeable yeah yeah um you know and it's sad and that's kind of like the the thing too with like plus 44 in the new blink without tom to me yeah it kind of sounds the same but postal service did have some great hits but to me it's just death cat for cutie yeah like it's just yeah they're next and beta so (laughs) uh papa roach pod opm Okay, go offspring, newfound glory, the muse, <clears throat> uh, music and muse, two different ones. Dude, okay, so music, and I'm surprised you haven't made said this band yet. Uh, Incubus, uh, you know, a huge one from that time. <laughs> music opened up for Incubus at Budweiser Event Center. I went to that show by myself, and I was like sick. Because mm-hmm. the ticket was given to me because she couldn't go because, like, her grandfather died. So she's like, here, can you go? I was like, sure, I could go. But then I ended up being sick that day. I was like, all right, I don't want this ticket to go to waste. So I went to the show, hated it, hated every minute of it. I despised that venue because it was at the Budweiser Event Center. I was sick. Everybody was a huge Incubus fan. I liked them okay. And I was just, like, stuffed in a sardine. And I was like, guys, I'm not feeling well. I'm going home. <laughs> I came. I saw it. I'm out. Yeah, I, I never jumped on the, the Incubus bandwagon. I, I do like some of their stuff, mm-hmm. and they've got some good songs. I just never like got the feels from much of it and was a huge Incubus fan, but almost everybody I knew seemed to think that Incubus was like the second coming of Well, I would music. say like Make Yourself <laughs> is a pretty solid album, but to me after that, it's like, eh, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, what we also got, Hoobastank, mm-hmm. Anne Berlin. What it, and I posted this question on, on Instagram. And or, Goldfinger. Dude, Mess was so good. Less than Jake. We're the Fray the broke now. out in 2005. Flybanger. Uh, Fly Flyleaf. Leaf. <laughs> uh, Flipside. Finger 11 came off the world right then. Eve 6, Fallout Boy. Dropkick Murphy's had another couple albums. The Distillers. Dashboard Confessional, like the mm-hmm. grandpappies of emo. <laughs> <laughs> the Darkness uh, Collective Soul had more albums Coheed and Cambria had a couple albums It, it was it was a good time for music Bowling uh, for it, Soup Bloodhound Gang Blink-182 Better Than Ezra Ben Lee Bad Religion albums Avril Lavigne Authority Zero Audio Slave Adam and His Package The Aquabats Andrew W.K. Alistair Alkaline Trio I, It's... <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it could go on. And, and the one thing that I posted on Twitter is like a lot of these bands are still doing stuff nowadays, you know, kind of dabbling. Um, the dude from Alkaline Trio is actually with Blink-182 now, which is just... Matt Skiba is with Blink-182 now? I think so. Man. It's, it's weird to me. Um, 
But what happened to Hoobastank? They had two solid albums and then they like disappeared. I don't know. They were like all the talk for a while. Yeah. And uh, we were jamming some Hoobastank last night. And I was like, what happened to these guys? Because like, you know, Dashboard Confessional is still kind of doing stuff. Like I said, you know, Trapped is still out there talking. And I can I can follow most of what's going on. Like Yellow Card kind of broke up so they could work on family. Something corporate. And Drew McMahon did his own thing. Um, so they could all focus on family, you know. And Amberlynn kind of is getting back together. Red Jumpsuit Apparatus, that stuff. But I'm like, what happened to Hoobastank? Well, Where, apparently, they, go? they uh, went on tour in 2018 as a uh, 15th anniversary of The Reason. What? And according to Wikipedia, that was the last thing they really did. But they had their uh, sixth studio album that they recorded in 2016. And then they went on a reunion tour, and that was all that's listed on there. So if you know anything recorded- about what else happened to Hoobastank, you get on that Wikipedia page and get that updated. <laughs> they, yeah, Matt Skiba is part of Blink-182 now. Um, I had to make sure and double-check my facts on that before I sound like an idiot. So they did an album in 2000, 2016? Uh, apparently, they, at least they recorded one. I don't know if it ever got released, but... Huh. You know, and, and some of those bands, like... I. I have to hand it because I think back to a lot of classic rock bands too. There's a lot of classic rock bands that were you know big in the '70s and early '80s that are still going on tour today. Foreigner, so, yeah, but but some of them are still going on tour playing like no name clubs, trying to put out new music and try and break into the music scene. Yeah, and I feel I just feel bad for some of them because it's it's really tough to do, especially when you got that well known name. And there's other ones that you know what. I've played this song 376 times a year for the last 20 years, but I'm going to play it again for you right now because you all are going to love it. And they just kind of own up to the fact that, like, I, I think when some of those musicians get so high and mighty on their own Dave art <coughs> that they don't, uh, yeah, Madonna even, she, like, Madonna's gone to work at saying she absolutely is embarrassed of the music she put out in the 80s. That's what made her, though. That's what pisses me off. Yeah, I, 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 got, I, I got to see her in concert. And was it five, six years ago, something like that? Yeah. And she had her new album. And she had, you know, I was outside with the people coming in stage and everybody's there dressed up in all their 80s Madonna garb there to see her. She played a new album and she played one song where she mashed up like five or six 80s hits, like did the chorus or a couple lines into one song. And that was the only mention she did of anything recorded prior to like 2010. Mm. And you could just feel everyone there was like, I don't want to see your new stuff. <laughs> Well, and that's the thing too, is because does Dave Matthews like refuses to play Crash, right? Crash Enemy, uh, probably. And I know there's some other bands out there that are just like, yeah, I, we're not playing that song anymore. And I understand it from their aspect, but at the same time, I'm like, your fans want to hear it. Yes, they can sit there and play, press repeat on that album, but you are like, they're the reason you're being famous is because of that song. The one caveat I will give it to Bare Naked Ladies. Because uh, they won't play if I had a million dollars, because they broke up. Bare Naked Ladies is still together, but uh, why can't I think of his name now? The one that went off a solo queer. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> but they they full up say people request it, and he on stage gives like me and the other guy wrote that song as a duet to sing together, and the band broke apart. So. We made an agreement, and we're not going to play that song because it was written as a duet for us, so we're not going to try and you know ruin the memory of it, which if you're going to own up for one song like that, I can kind yeah. of buy into it. If you helped write it with somebody else, and then you guys are not together for various reasons, having the you know, grown-upness to be like, you know what, instead of fighting over this, let's just say no. 
Because yeah. you'll get the opposite of what happened with the band Sticks, big 70s, 80s rock band. They broke up. The lead singer went off and formed his old band, and the original Sticks got a new singer, went on tour. And I kid you not, in the early 2000s, those bands came through Colorado on tour less than two weeks apart. And both of them were playing mostly Sticks songs. <laughs> So it, it and, and you could just tell that they were both just fighting over who had rights to what or who was allowed to sing what. It was just it was ugly and depressing and sad. <laughs> well, and that's the thing too is there's a lot of the, like the mid two thousands bands that aren't together anymore because you know they did the whole like early twenties, late twenties, you know, we're punk rockers, everything like that, and then they got a family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like, all right, we're selling now. And, th- and that's one thing that I'm sad is like I never got to see something corporate. I, I've seen Jack's Mannequin, you know couple times which is great but it's just those something corporate songs you know leaving through the window i just wanted to like scream that and i, I asked andrew mcmahon i was like hey, is this you guys ever gonna get back together he's like probably not because they all have their own families and everything like that i was like oh <laughs> i got to see something corporate one time and i feel super lucky that i was able to back when he had his yeah. big super mm-hmm. like curly afro standing on his piano jumping around uh beth was actually at that concert with me too my wife and uh, she couldn't see it because we were at the Fillmore and She's not real Flat. tall, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but oh, that was a good concert. <laughs> uh, rub it in. Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Well, we should we should probably wrap this up because we've been talking way longer about music. But I, hopefully, this has maybe inspired you. We're going to put together uh, a playlist of some of our best music from this genre. We're going to put it up on the website getgeekish.com. I'd love to hear what you'd like to add to that list and talk about what we refer to as the the golden age of these this type of music here, <laughs> early two thousands rock in quotes what do you yeah. got let us know at get geekish <laughs> and i am gonna go play on my playlists right now because i feel right. nostalgic <laughs> jam it out just scream your heart out yeah <laughs> was that get geekish and we will talk at you next week all right and there